Welcome to All Vampires Are Gay, a serialized narrative podcast created by Corbin Rosewood. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all major podcasting platforms. If you like the show, please consider supporting our work. All Vampires Are Gay is made possible because of listeners like you. You can help out by becoming a patron, shopping our merch, and of course, telling your friends about the show. You can find all the ways to support us and more at our website, CorbinRosewood.com. Corbin here. I just wanted to let you know that if you want to send me an email, I absolutely love hearing from listeners. My email is hello at CorbinRosewood.com. Now on with the show. Episode 10, Dancing with a Stranger. Welcome, I'm Corwin Rosewood, and tonight we return to a very grumpy vampire who is getting ready to kiss all the boys just so he can forget that one. Scene, the nightclub. The frenetic energy of a pulsing nightclub always put Victor at ease, and tonight was no different. Electronic music, pink lights, dimly lit corners, and beautiful, sweaty people. He found it all comforting and safe, It was his favorite place to be, except perhaps up in a windy tree looking at the pedestrians below. He felt at ease there, in the simplicity of the nightclub, how it could be whatever he wanted it to be. If he wanted, he could be detached and cold, an impartial observer, lurking in a dark corner or watching from a balcony. Or he could be right down in the middle, getting everyone's attention with his stunning good looks, kissing and caressing the most attractive people there. Tonight, he was ready to be in the middle of things, but first, he needed drinks. A lot of drinks. One of the unfortunate side effects of his supernatural powers is that he usually needed at least twice as much alcohol as a human to get truly smashed. He wasn't sure if it was something to do with his super healing abilities or just a buildup of a few hundred years of liquor tolerance. But either way, the result was the same. He went to the bar and ordered eight shots of whiskey, straight up. The bartender raised his eyebrow. I hope you're not driving, he said as he lined up the shot glasses. I never drive, Victor said flatly, tapping the bar top impatiently as the bartender sloshed the shots in. Victor downed them in seconds, then he hit the bar top again. Eight more, please, he said. Are you sure? He asked. Just make the drinks, Victor said, sliding a crisp bill across the bar. The bartender shrugged and poured. He drank those just as fast and then looked up at the bartender. Why don't I save us some time, Victor said, reaching into his wallet and handing the bartender a wad of cash. Is this enough for the whole bottle? The bartender's eyes went wide and he nodded slowly, stuffing the cash into his shirt and walking away quickly before Victor changed his mind. Victor pushed the shot glasses away and started sipping from the generously sized whiskey bottle. 
Damn, he must be something else, a voice said near him. He looked up. An attractive man in a far too small tank top which showed off his glistening muscles was looking at Victor hungrily. Pardon, Victor said between gulps. The man you're trying to forget. He must be pretty special if he could make someone like you this worked up. I'm not worked up, Victor said, glaring at the man and his distressingly accurate assessment of him. And I'm not trying to forget anyone. Victor turned away from him and looked out towards the dance floor, frowning. Was it really that obvious? Why couldn't he just have a nice time? He took another gulp of the whiskey, and to his relief, he was finally starting to feel a mild buzz. A strong hand grabbed his arm and tugged at him gently. He turned around. It was the same man as before. I'm sorry, he said. That was a terrible attempt at a pickup line. I was trying to flatter you, but I see I went about it all wrong. Can I buy you a drink and make it up to you? Victor looked him over. He was certainly attractive. And his tank top and painted on jeans left little to the imagination, which suited Victor's tastes just fine. Victor nodded and leaned against the bar next to him. I'm Richie, the man said, holding out his hand. Victor pulled his hand up and brushed his lips across it gently, gazing into Richie's eyes suggestively. Victor, he said, I'll take a whiskey sour. Richie briefly looked down at the bottle Victor was already holding, but didn't say anything. He just called to the bartender to bring him two whiskey sours. So what brings you here tonight? Richie asked, his eyes dancing as he looked at Victor's alarmingly beautiful face. Adventure. Victor replied. He looked over the young man admiringly, trying very hard to focus only on him the way he usually could with a new man. He had to get Robert out of his head. Usually it was no trouble at all, but tonight his mind kept wandering. The bartender brought them the drinks and he took his gratefully, holding it up to clink with Richie. Their fingers brushed against each other for a moment, but it didn't give Victor the thrill he thought it would. Just then, the music changed to a song Victor hadn't heard before, but instantly knew he loved. A perfect mix of bombastic drums and sweet vocals, he was immediately drawn in. He turned to the man next to him. Do you know who this song is by any chance? The man listened for a moment, then nodded. I'm pretty sure it's Blackpink. Victor frowned darkly, remembering Robert's suggestion that he would like them. Why couldn't he get that guy out of his head? He shook his head as if to remove Robert from it and down the rest of his drink in one sip. He grabbed Richie's hand and pulled him closer, leaning in and said, let's go to the dance floor and make out. Richie nodded happily, quickly finishing his drink and letting Victor pull him out into the crowds of dancing people. Victor began to dance, moving his hips closer towards Richie with every sway, holding the bottle of whiskey above his head as he danced. He pulled the man into his body, running his hands along his back, noticing he smelled like oranges and oak wood. It was a beautiful scent. Normally, Victor would have been completely infatuated with this man, but tonight everything just felt off. He decided to push ahead anyway, taking another large gulp of liquor before putting his arms around Richie's neck and leaning in, ready for a kiss. 
But Victor never got to find out if kissing Richie would be enough to get Robert off his mind. Because right then, a pair of strong arms pulled Victor off of him and slapped him hard across the face. Victor staggered backwards, looking confused and alarmed. He wiped his hand across his face where it was still stinging and looked down at it. I'm bleeding, he said in surprise, looking up at his attacker. It was a man he didn't recognize at all. Who the hell are you? he asked. He's my boyfriend, said another man happily, coming out from behind him. This man Victor very much recognized. It was his ex-boyfriend, Marco. Marco was handsome as always, his rich brown-toned muscles rippling under his far too small t-shirt. He was smirking at Victor, clearly enjoying watching him in pain. What the hell? We're broken up, Victor said, confused. But you're still an asshole, Victor, Marco said. Yeah, but in a lovable scamp kind of way, Victor said flippantly. No, in a six months of therapy kind of way, Marco snapped before turning to Richie and adding, if you value your sanity, stay away from this guy. He's a control freak with a God complex. He loves falling in love, but as soon as he gets bored, he'll drop you like a piece of trash. Well, that's uncalled for, Victor said. If I'm so terrible, why did you date me twice? Because I'm a goddamn idiot, Marco replied, shaking his head. But I've got a good man now, and I know the difference. Richie looked at the three men and started to back away into the crowd. It seems like you've got some uh, stuff going on, he said. Oh, don't worry about him. We've been broken up for ages, Victor said, moving towards Richie and reaching out his hand. I'm so over him. I'm literally in love with someone else already. Richie's eyes went wide in alarm at this statement. Uh, I'm really just looking for something casual, he said, his eyes searching the crowd for a good exit route. Oh God, I don't mean you, Victor said, exasperated. No, no, someone else. He's not here. He's, he's not even really talking to me at the moment. I, but you know, I was just trying to get past it all with some fun, see? I wanted something casual too. Richie shook his head. I'll pass. You've got way too many problems. This is a hot mess I don't need in my life. Before Victor could say anything else, Richie disappeared quickly into the crowd. I hope you're happy, Victor said, angrily turning to Marco and his boyfriend, who were both laughing. You know, I actually am, Marco said with a big grin. You haven't changed at all, Victor. You're the same old jerk you always were. Why don't you find somewhere else to hunt for your next victim, okay? This is my favorite club. This club is tired anyway, Victor said haughtily, lifting his chin into the air. The DJ is terrible and the drinks are weak. He flipped his hair back and headed for the exit, finishing the last of his bottle of whiskey on the way out. Scene, the city at night. Victor left the club briskly, the cold metal door slamming behind him as he stumbled out into the cold night, his face and his ego both slightly bruised. 
The wind whipped around him and his hair cut across his face in little slices, stinging in the spot where Marco's boyfriend had hit him. He shoved his hair behind his ears and tried to put the incident out of his mind. The wound would be healed by the end of the night anyway, even faster if he got some fresh blood in his veins. Yes, that's exactly what he needed, to get some fresh blood, to remember that he was a vampire. A different species, he need not concern himself with the emotions and tribulations of these little mortals. He found a nearby fire escape and began to climb up to the roof. His climbing was quite a bit less graceful than usual due to his intoxication, but he got there in the end. From his height, he scanned the nearby streets until he saw a potential opportunity a young drunk woman putting the keys in her door a few buildings down. Perfect, easy and painless. She wouldn't even remember it had happened. He leapt over to the building across from her, readying his fangs and focusing his senses on the street as he made a plan to leap down and have some blood. He heard the sound of sirens in the distance and looked up quickly, remembering suddenly that Samson had told him not to get fresh blood tonight. The police car rolled down the street and moved on through the night, and the woman found her way into her apartment safely. Victor sat on the roof, drunk and hissing with frustration. A nice bit of blood would have been a lovely pick-me-up, but he wouldn't go against a direct order from Samson, no matter how annoyed he was. He walked away from the ledge and across the rooftop, the wind whipping his coat around him as he looked out across the city skyline. The red glow in the distance caught his eye again. It was so strange and ominous. He was closer to it now, only a few blocks away, and he definitely sensed a supernatural quality to it. He shrugged and decided to investigate. Maybe if he found something interesting, Samson wouldn't be upset about the glove he lost at the crime scene earlier. He clambered over the building slowly. He was still feeling very intoxicated after all. The going wasn't easy and he nearly fell a number of times, but eventually he arrived on the roof of a building right next door to the light. He crouched down carefully so as not to be seen by any prying eyes across the way and then started to begin to focus his vision. Using his super senses on a normal day could be challenging, but whilst drunk was something else. He eventually held on to the air conditioning unit he was crouching behind, put one hand on the ground to steady himself, and then breathed deeply for a minute while thinking hard about his eyes and vision. He concentrated all of his focus into what he could see, and finally his range of view expanded like paranormal zoom lens. He peered into the greenhouse and saw exactly what you would expect in a greenhouse. Plants. But what you don't normally see is plants that glow with an eerie blood-red light that shines up into the night sky. The large bushy plants had clusters of brightly glowing berries on them that seemed to pulse slightly in the moonlight. He saw a movement in between the rows of berries and realized there was a figure standing there. Their back was turned to him, but he knew instantly who it was, just by the shape of his shoulders and his waving platinum hair. It was Lyrin his greatest love and centuries-old enemy. Victor's heart went cold 
and his breath stilled as he watched Liren walk around the room, gently caring for the plants as though they were precious babies. Then, at last, he turned around, and Victor saw his face for the first time in decades. Victor's hands were shaking. He felt small suddenly, powerless and afraid. There he was, that light blonde hair falling into his eyes in the way that used to make him giddy. The sight of him now just made his stomach churn. The piercing eyes, the palest blue, but when he was angry, they would flash red, just like Victor's. Victor gasped and fell backwards, his heart pounding so loudly he was sure Liren could hear it across the rooftops. He hid further behind the air conditioner, scrunching up into a tight little ball, his hand shaking. Even though Liren surely hadn't seen him, he didn't have the guts to turn around and look at him again. He felt like somehow, Liren knew he was there, and if he stayed too long, they would have to talk, and Victor wasn't ready for that. So he simply turned tail and fled across the rooftops as fast as his drunken legs would carry him. An hour later, and he had only just started to calm down. Wandering the city streets in the mildly drizzling rain, he had started ruminating on Liren and their history. Their past was tangled and thorny and filled Victor with shame, but he knew he had to talk to Samson. Only a moment of seeing Liren was enough to convince him that he had to tell Samson about Liren and the mausoleum. He had kept this secret for too long. But maybe he could just tell Samson that Liren was their mystery villain, but not tell Samson about all the other stuff, the old stuff from centuries ago. Samson didn't really need to know about that right now, right? Buried secrets could stay buried for now. They had new battles to fight. Victor felt a nagging guilt in the back of his mind as he made these rationalizations. He knew, of course, that he was wrong, that Samson of all people deserved the truth, but he just couldn't face it. So he fired off a text telling Samson all about Liren and the berries and the glowing light, the address of the greenhouse, and he even admitted to leaving the glove behind at the hospital. Victor looked to the text before sending it, the guilt and shame of lying to Samson weighing heavy on his mind. Finally, he decided to add to it the word, sorry, with a crying face emoji. He hit send and put the phone back in his jacket, regretfully, closing up his emotions about Liren as tight as he could. He couldn't afford to lose control tonight. He walked down the darkened streets, lighting up a cigarette and pulling his jacket tight around his bones. This evening had not gone at all how he had planned. Why did it seem like he just couldn't do anything right today? He needed something, someone, to make this all feel okay, to make his troubles slide away. He meandered down the nearly empty streets, the sounds of a drunk couple laughing nearby, and the hum of cars in the distance. He wandered, letting his feet be the guide, not looking where he was until, at last, he reached a destination. 
He stopped in front of the large black building and looked up at it, taking a last drag on his cigarette. Belladonna Club. He could almost hear Jin's voice in his head, telling him he shouldn't be here. Robert had asked for space, and he should give it to him. Victor saw her point, but whatever. It was just a nightclub. He had as much right to be there as anyone else. Plus, they sold liquor, and Victor was more than ready for another drink. He flicked the cigarette away down the street, watching the little red dot skitter down the pavement until it faded out into nothing. He pulled his trench coat collar up and went inside. Scene, Belladonna Club. It was a quieter night tonight than when he had been there to see Robert DJ. But the club was still energetic and lively and full of beautiful people dancing. He made a beeline for the bar and didn't even bother with ordering a drink this time. He just asked how much for a bottle and paid whatever the bartender said, along with a very generous tip. He wasn't in the mood to dance anymore, or kiss or play pretend. He just wanted to drink and do anything to feel better. He found a darkened corner and drank his liquor, drowning in his thoughts, his memories, his pain. Overthinking, and especially reminiscing, was always a danger for Victor. His head was too big and full of too many memories, more than anyone should have, many of them very bad. He swigged his bottle and watched the dancing bodies move under the dim nightclub lights, letting their presence relax him, even if he wasn't really there. He was lost in his own mind, he wasn't even sure who he was trying to forget anymore. Liren, Robert, or her. He shuddered at the thought of her and ran away from that memory like it was hot lava. He tried to remember how much he loved to dance and party. And finally, after drinking most of the bottle, he started to pull himself out of his depression spiral and stumbled drunkenly towards the dance floor. He smiled happily. He had finally done it. He was truly wasted. He couldn't remember the last time he had been this drunk, and it felt good, really good. He was almost at the dance floor when someone grabbed his arm gently. Hey, uh, Robert's boyfriend, right? He said. Victor looked down at the very petite young doorman with his long nails and blue hair he had met on the first night he'd come to Belladonna. He was still wearing a fur coat that was absolutely huge on him, but now his hair was orange and he also had a pink spiked collar on. Well, uh, yeah, it, but it's sort of complicated, I guess. Victor trailed off. The young man didn't seem to be listening anyway. He was looking at someone in the corner of the club. Yeah, yeah, Robert's guy, can you do me a favor? He said. See that person over there in the zebra print top? That's my ex, and uh, they've been shoving their new relationship in my face all night. So I might have kind of told them I had a hot goth boyfriend they didn't know. And then you showed up, and it's like destiny or something. 
would you mind dancing with me and, I don't know, kind of like pretending we're dating for a minute? Nothing serious. Just like pretend to flirt with me or something. God, I'm sorry. Is this weird? After taking a drunken moment to absorb what the little orange-haired man was saying, Victor finally replied, Yes, I'll do it. You know why? Because I'm a good person. That's right. I'm Victor the Kind. Marco doesn't know anything about me. I'm a good guy. Victor stumbled forward a little bit, steadying himself on a bar stool. Then he grabbed the young man's hand and pulled him wildly onto the dance floor. You seem wonderful, little orange-haired man. Who is he to treat you like this, hmm? Victor said with righteous indignation. Uh, actually, uh, their pronouns are they, them, but please go on, he said, leaning into Victor and pretending to kiss him on the cheek. My name is Finn, by the way. I'm, um, Victor, he said with a little drunken burp, then continued. Who do they think they are, huh? Trying to tell you you're so mean. They don't even know the good things you do. The people you've saved. The murders you've stopped. Um, they didn't really say I was mean, Finn said, confused. You're not a jerk who treats everyone around you badly, and neither am I. I'm a nice guy, right? I'm a good guy. Um, sure. You seem pretty chill, I guess, Finn said. That's right. I am chill, Victor said. So chill. I bet you'd call me back if we were dating, and I saved your life by throwing a grenade at a car that was chasing us. I bet you wouldn't just abandon me. Finn started to look nervous. Did you say grenade? No, you wouldn't, because you're a good guy, just like me, Victor said, pulling Finn into a friendly embrace. We'll show them, Finn. We'll show them all. So what if I want to date a lot of hot men? That doesn't make me a bad person. I'm just adventurous. At least I'm not killing them. Finn was too distracted looking at his ex to be alarmed by this statement like he should have been. Damn it, they left, he said, quickly backing away from Victor. Sorry about that. Thanks so much for helping, though. Um, you don't have to be my fake boyfriend anymore, I guess. Victor frowned. What if I didn't want that? What if I want to keep being your fake boyfriend? Maybe I wanted to keep being your fake boyfriend forever. But you never gave me a damn chance. No chance. No damn chance at all. Did you ever think about that? Finn backed up further. Look, dude, I think you need to get a cab home. You seem like you've had too much. What would you know about it? Victor grumbled. Bloody humans. Are you okay to get home? Finn asked concerned. I don't have a home, Victor wailed. I live in a warehouse. Uh, okay then, Finn tried again. Are you okay to get where you live? Of course, Victor replied. I've taken care of myself just fine for hundreds of years. Okay, well, in case that doesn't work out for you, here's my number. Finn said, handing Victor a receipt with a phone number scribbled on the back. Call me if you're in trouble, okay? With that, Finn bolted away and left Victor feeling dejected and frustrated on the dance floor. The crowd was thinning out as the evening ended and people started pairing off or giving up and going home. 
Victor decided it was probably time for him to do the same, and began to make his wobbly way to the exit when he felt a vibration in his pocket. He grabbed his magically enhanced phone to see what Samson had to say. He pulled it out, the small sigils glowing faintly in the dim nightclub light, but it was silent, no call. Victor gasped, realizing it was his regular phone that was ringing. He pulled it out quickly, nearly dropping it as he fumbled to see if it was who he hoped it was calling him. He looked down at his phone and his heart skipped a beat. Robert. Victor felt his palms get sweaty as he rushed outside, trying to get somewhere quiet before answering. Once he was outside, he gulped in the cold night air, trying his best to sober himself a bit before taking the call. He hello there, he said, as smoothly as his drunken mind would allow. Hey, Robert said somberly. I'm sorry to call you so late. I hope I didn't wake you. I'm a vampire, darling. I'm live for the night, Victor replied, trying to be cool even though his heart was hammering in his chest. Robert laughed, and the sound made Victor's aching heart flip-flop. He suddenly found himself wanting to hear that sound all the time. I'm glad, Robert said. I hope you don't mind the sunshine too much, though, because I have a sort of mm, odd request. What be it? Victor said, trying his best to sound sober. I think we need to talk things over, figure out some things before we move forward, Robert said calmly. Uh, I, I, uh, I understand, Victor said, not really sure that he did. Anyway, I was hoping we could meet up tomorrow morning to talk about it. I thought maybe we could go shopping together at the farmer's market, the one at Chesterfield Park. Would you meet me there around 9am, he asked. Victor didn't pause at all. He simply said, yes, 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 of course, I'll be there, yes, definitely, yes. Thank you, Robert said, sounding pleased but nervous. Um, see you tomorrow. I can't wait, darling, Victor said before hanging up. He took a deep breath and leaned against the cold nightclub wall, clutching the phone to his chest and grinning from ear to ear. He knew he shouldn't feel this much joy or be this invested in a human romance. But at this point, he just didn't care anymore. He was going to see Robert tomorrow. And that was all that mattered. And so, at last, Victor got the call he's been waiting for. It looks like our two lovebirds shall finally be reunited at the farmer's market, but how long they'll stay together remains to be seen. You've been listening to All Vampires Are Gay. This episode was created, written, and performed by Corwin Rosewood. Produced and composed by Parker Frost. 
with additional production, mixing, editing, and engineering by the team at Studio Corwin. If you enjoyed this episode, consider supporting our show today so we can make more episodes in the future. You can find all the ways to support us at CorwinRosewood.com. Thank you for listening.